0: mom-to-mom podcast we're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood of course we don't have all the answers but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does we're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today pull up a chair we're really glad you're here a few years into my mothering I decided that I wanted to put more emphasis on Easter in my home. It kind of bothered me that Christmas, this day that we set aside to remember the birth of Christ, had become an entire season of celebration. And yet Easter, the day honoring Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross and then his miraculous resurrection, was just sort of defined by most of the evangelical church, myself included, if I'm being honest, with a few lilies at the front of the sanctuary, maybe some new dresses that you wear to church and you force your kids to wear, and a basket of candy. I wanted my kids to see that both moments of Christ's life, his birth and his death and resurrection, were equally important in our faith. And so I determined that I was going to mark Easter with the same kind of anticipation and same kind of commemoration as I did at Christmas. Now, that was a few years ago, and I'm going to be really honest. I think if you were to peek into my home during both times of the year, you'd see that the scales of celebration are definitely still tipped toward Christmas. But I do think I've put a few traditions in place that have helped my kids see the gravity and the great gift that the Easter season is. So today, Kate, September, and I are going to just chat about Easter and how we have found ways to center the season on Christ. I want to first start out, ladies, by letting you have the mics to share what is your must-do Easter tradition in your home. I'm sure you have a few, but if everything fell to the wayside and you could only do one thing, what is the one must-do
1: tradition in your home? Oh, Jamie, you know, if you tell me just one thing that I can't answer this, Like I have to say more. (laughs) I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, and it's different now. I will say that. And I love that about our podcast for generational. So as I grow now as a Nana, I'm a grandma. This is a different answer than I would have given 10 years ago. So now I would say my top tradition that I think I would, if I could just pick one, would be to have the Easter egg hunt in my woods with my grandchildren. Like, I just have loved doing that. It's Fun. It's beautiful. It's special. It follows a lot of things that we do with them. But now that I'm a Nana, that's what I would, that's what I would do now. But I'm not carrying a lot of the weight of the Easter day, you know, in um, making the most of those moments with my little kids anymore. So that's, that's where I am in this season of life.
0: So I have to ask you, are your eggs the kind that you dye? They're like real eggs that are hard boiled or are they plastic filled with little goodies from Nana?
1: Well, because we have eleven. Grandchildren now and 10 kids. Everyone who is married that has children brings their own kids' eggs and they've labeled them with their kids' names on them um, or a color. So, like my oldest daughter, she'll bring eggs already filled with her kids' names on them. And then we all, the adults, go out and hide them. And then we let the little kids go first and then the older kids that way, you know, because we're a lot of people coming together and then there's little things in it. And then my husband and I, we hide our own eggs. Dan puts a golden dollar on um, like a, you know, in one egg and he tells the kids it's the biggest blue egg out there. And each of the grandkids gets to find one of those. So it's just kind of neat that, yeah. So that way we're not, you know, filling them with a ton of candy and, you know, I don't have to buy all the eggs and do all the labeling and it gets confusing. So each family brings their own. They hide that we hide them together. And then Dan and I, Papa and Nana we do one golden dollar egg for each of the grandkids. And
0: I just have a quick tip. If you um, don't have necessarily adult children and grandkids coming, but you still have several kids that you know you want to hide Easter eggs for, and maybe your kids like mine are a wide variety of ages. So their ability and skill level to find eggs is different. Um, What I started doing really early on was I assigned a color to each of my kids. So I'd fill a little plastic egg and they were all different colors. And I'd say, "Okay, Maddie, your eggs are pink. You can only find the pink eggs. And if you happen to see a green egg, you just keep right on walking right past it. And that way, some of my older kids, we could hide the eggs and give them a little bit of a challenge while still letting the younger ones be able to find enough eggs to make it fun. So everybody had a different color egg. And this is something I still do today. And if we have... Sometimes we've had other kids join us for our Easter egg hunts, like extended cousins or friends. I still do that because I want I want the magic and the loveliness of finding an egg to be applicable to everybody, not just the little ones or even the older ones. I also wanted to share. I had a friend's parent, so I'm a grown adult, and my friend was a grown adult, but their parent still did an Easter egg hunt every year, just like you, September but they did an adults only hunt and they would stuff um, things like coffee gift cards or a couple of dollars or gas coupons or things that adults would like. They'd let the kids hunt during their hunt, but then there was an adults only hunt and that was really fun. How about you, Kate? What, what is your must do family Easter tradition?
2: Well, I'm going to take two of your ideas. One of the September, I love the golden dollar. And eat for each child. I think that's great. But I also think it's smart to do the different colors because with six grandkids now, I mean, they're, and, and we put them all over our house. We don't put a few outside. We don't have a big yard. And it's funny. Some, some years we find them like months later, we'll be up and upstairs and we'll find one stuck in somewhere. Cause my husband's pretty good at hiding them. And I think we, you know, we try to remind them the resurrection is beautifully illustrated in this season, this time of year, spring, everything, at least in Tennessee, in March, everything just starts to burst. I mean, all of a sudden you go from gray to green to white blossoms, cherry trees, and it's just a good picture to me of new life, of resurrection. You know, it's been gray and awful all winter, and now you have this beauty. So all those things, I think, go into just making Easter fun and memorable for the grandkids.
0: Right. Even if your tradition is more fun and light, like hiding Easter eggs, I think the point or the the emphasis of finding the time to keep this tradition, to take the effort to continue this thing and carry it over from year to year, sort of marks the moment in your child's mind and so that in itself, even though it may not, you know, an Easter egg hunt may not necessarily point directly to the resurrection. You can use that as like a catapult to get you to conversations about the resurrection. So those those moments and memories will still be marked in your child's life and can point to Jesus, that that universal familial tradition that you have. Um, I have to say, though, Kate. We don't all get to see the loveliness of spring on Easter. Most of our Easter egg hunts, we have to do inside because it's still snowing <laughs> um, Easter. But that's okay. We'll let you have the green grass and, and and you can think of us sitting in our snow. Sorry
2: about that. It is nice. We can get snow in April too and everything freezes and then, you know, then it's all ruined. So you just never know, but it's usually pretty in March, April.
0: Well, we'll let you enjoy it. I think um, my must-do tradition, we do several things like I mentioned at the beginning, but I think it if all of those other things were to fall away and I could only choose one thing to do during the season, it would have to be our resurrection brunch. And it's a little bit different at our house in that for years and years, we always hosted it on Saturday and we'd invite extended family and friends over to this big brunch. And I chose Saturday early on instead of Sunday, because I knew I wanted to incorporate some of those fun activities and elements to our celebration. But I didn't want Easter, the actual resurrection day, to feel harried and rushed for me. I wanted Sunday to still have that restful Sabbath-like feel, this quiet gratitude. And and so that decision was mainly for me. I think as moms, we're, we're kind of like the magic makers of any holiday celebration, really. We're the ones working behind the scenes, setting the stage, cooking the meals, planning and preparing all the activities. And I wanted my Easter day to be quiet and reflective and slow. And now that my kids are are a little bit older and they're more helpful in the kitchen and they don't have the desire to do all the crafts and activities that we used to do, we've now done our brunch on Sunday a couple of times. And that's starting to fit kind of right. So we'll see as the years progress, if I continue to have it on Saturday or Sunday, I'm not sure. But um, I would say our resurrection brunch would be the must-do tradition, apart from, of course, um, spending time with our local congregation on Sunday morning um, worship. in worship.
2: I love that, Jamie. And one tradition that I read about that I think is really great is on Monday Thursday, which is the Thursday before Good Friday, Where you wash your family's feet, you talk about what Jesus did at the Last Supper, and I think I read that and thought that's a beautiful idea, a beautiful way to really begin expressing what's happening that whole weekend and how Christ, you know, he he washed the feet of his enemy of Judas. He knew Judas was going to be the cause of his death, yet he washed his feet, and how beautiful that is! Just what a it's it's just such a beautiful explanation or illustration of Christ's love for all of us.
0: Yeah, it pictures what you always say, taking the lower place and how Christ did that for us. And it's a great way to start out the season by taking the lower place and washing the feet of those at your table. That's a great suggestion. Well, ladies, do you have any fun food traditions besides just the normal ham dinner? And I'm gonna be really honest, I am not a ham dinner kind of person. So I would love your suggestions. What do you normally serve? What are some of your food traditions?
1: Well, we have ham. Sorry, Jamie. That's okay. <laughs> we can still be friends. No one, no one really likes it. We just have it. Like we just have it. So, uh, but I do add um, something different every year. So we, I love to try. It's a thing that I do for myself. I love to try something new every year for Easter. I don't know. It's just a tradition I began in my home as a mom. Uh, because it was a special occasion where I could try something new. It's seasonal. So I always try a new recipe at Easter. Um, We always make like hot crust buns. Those are really yummy, like a yeast roll. So when I use and make these rolls, I use an object lesson with my kids on um, resurrection and how they raise and um, so we, we kind of cover that. We always do deviled eggs and then we have a really um, yummy dessert. So we have no fun. I mean, I have some fun recipes and things like that, that we've done that are activities, but as far as the meal, we're a ham, we're a ham family. You keep being that ham family.
2: I like it. I'll make it every now and then I'm probably the only one that does, but what I like is that ham bone. Cause then you can make really good soup, ham and bean soup and that, that I love. So we'll see. I don't know. If, we'll have to depend on Mike. If he if he wants ham, but you know, my husband's Italian. So sometimes you never know. Sometimes it's pot roast. Sometimes it's lasagna. We don't have one specific thing. One thing I did one time, I don't know if you've ever seen those braided breads with the Easter eggs on top. I did that once. I don't think I'm going to do that again, but I do love the hot cross bun idea. I've not made those. So I'm going to do that. I always make a fun dessert. Often it's carrot cake because you know, bunnies and carrots and my husband's favorite. But last year I did really pretty strawberry shortcakes with biscuits and with something like that, the kids can help you assemble them because it's so easy. You have a biscuit, you put the strawberries, the whipped cream. It, it's a very simple dessert to do. And again, it's strawberries and and spring and all those things. I often, I will decorate the table with a lot of flowers. So I like to just make it really as pretty as I can. It's just spring-like and fun and So yeah, this year, who knows if the weather's good, it may be something on the grill. And I think for Mimi and Poppy, it's for us, it's more about being together, celebrating Jesus with good conversation, good prayer. The kids are some of them are starting to get old enough where they really do understand what this all means. And the little ones are getting it, you know, slowly but surely. But it's kind of interesting to hear, especially with the older ones, what they think and how this all makes them feel. So it's it, it. provide some good conversations.
1: Okay. You know, our family did that braided bread for, I, I think it's Shala. We did challah bread and, um, oh, it, it's not the tastiest. It's a sweet bread, but that was one of my new recipes three years ago that I, you know, when I had a lot of little kids, I kept it simple and meaningful. And now that's what, that's my new tradition for myself on Easter is to try all these beautiful things that I see people making. And that was one of them. And I loved making it. And my kids loved seeing the outcome of it. So that is actually a really fun thing to do. It's pretty. Yeah, it's very pretty.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it the same as challah? Like uh, Jewish? Challah bread. Like yeah. challah yeah. bread? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, with the eggs in the center. I've made challah, but I've never made um, it with the Easter egg. That would be kind of a fun little challenge
2: for me. Co- you know, real real eggs. The, the dyed eggs. Yeah. Hard boiled yeah. eggs. And they yeah. can be white. They don't have to be different colors. If you're not, I don't dye Easter eggs anymore, unless we have the kids and we do that as a special thing. But then you've got all those eggs. You have to eat a lot of egg salads. (laughs) And I'm not a big, just a hard boiled egg fan. Although deviled eggs, uh, September, you do those. That'd be a good idea.
0: Honestly, unless we're going over to someone's house for Easter, we just kind of have a regular meal that evening. Because, again, our emphasis is on the brunch. And I try to make it really fancy and very spring-like because outside it doesn't feel or look like spring. One year I even, I bought orange paper napkins and somehow I found green plastic silverware and I wrapped the orange napkin around the green fork and the fork was kind of sticking up out of it and took a little green chenille pipe cleaner and tied it together and it looked like a little carrot. And that was our, that was our, play, helped, you know, make it feel like spring for the place setting. But I do try to put a little bit of effort into the place setting and the centerpiece to make it feel very spring-like, like new life has come. And I always say, serve the same thing. Um, our favorite breakfast casserole, I make cinnamon rolls, I serve bacon, a fruit salad, and then this banana pudding trifle. And it's lather, rinse, repeat every single year. But most of those things, I almost exclusively only serve at Easter. Apart from the bacon and the fruit salad, maybe. So there's this anticipation built in for Easter, even around the food that we eat. And, and I will put all the links for those recipes in the show notes. If you're wondering what goes into those things, especially the banana pudding, because I have to tell you, it's, I think it's my most favorite dessert I personally make and I look forward to it every year.
2: Have you wanted to homeschool, but you're worried about your child's socialization? Well, Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities that have opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com forward slash mom to mom. That's classicalconversations.com forward slash mom to mom.
0: Several years ago, my oldest daughter taught herself how to play the ukulele. She spent hours scouring YouTube for basic tutorials, and over the course of about six months, she pieced together music lessons for herself. Now she wants to learn the acoustic guitar. Trouble is, the guitar is quite a bit trickier to learn than the ukulele and YouTube snippets just aren't cutting it. That's why I'm thrilled that Practicing Musician, the folks that created a free online multimedia curriculum with over 10,000 video tutorials, learning assignments, exercises and songs for the band and orchestral instruments, are launching a brand new ministry called Worshipping Musician. Designed in partnership with a leader of the United States K-12 Music Standards and Assessment Writing Teams, Worshiping Musician will offer the same robust online curriculum with the same intuitive and easy-to-use learning management system, but for worship instruments, including piano, bass guitar, drums, vocals, and of course, the acoustic guitar. My daughter will be able to learn right in the comfort of her own room. She won't have to scour the internet to gather a hodgepodge assortment of tutorials, and she won't have to pay a dime because the curriculum is all free. Should she like additional help, she can sign up for an annual subscription for one-on-one micro sessions where she'll receive tutoring from an expert via video conference. For nearly 80% less than the cost of a year's worth of guitar lessons, the micro tutoring sessions from worshiping musician will not only get her playing, but will also be within her college student budget. To learn more about the free curriculum from Practicing Musician, the creation of their upcoming worshiping musician resources, or to grab ten dollars off of their limited micro tutoring subscriptions, head to practicingmusician.com/worship and use promo code Mom at checkout. That's practicingmusician.com/worship, promo code M O M T O. M O M. Do you have any fun ways to share the message of the resurrection with your kids during the Easter season? We shared some of those more traditional Easter fun activities. But what about sharing the hope of Jesus with your kids at that time?
1: One of the things that we do every year, and now I do this with my grandchildren, just because I really do love it a lot, is, but you have to begin this project early. You can't just like wait till the week before Easter is we make resurrection gardens. And they're really, really special because you can watch the grass grow, the grass seed and the rock uh, away from the tomb. And you can add something new to it every week or every day, depending on what you want. But we do that. We just, um, we've done it in different, like different size pots every year. We've done one family one. Um, so the kids did their own small version, kept them in the room by their window so they could see that. And then we discussed it every day and I did a reading. One of my favorite uh, daily activities And this author has written something for Christmas as well that I have used. Honestly, let let me think. My oldest son is 30. So I've been using this since he was probably nine. So this author, Amanda White, wrote A Sense of the Resurrection. um, And actually, her website is com. So anyways, I love The Sense of the Resurrection. That's an Easter Lent focus. And I love it because there's something every day, an activity, a reading, um, another thing that we've done are the cookies that you make where you bake them, like a meringue, put them in the oven and with a crescent roll, and then you take them out of the oven and they're the rolls are empty. So that's another fun activity that we've done every year. And those are just a few things that we've done.
0: Yeah, we've made something similar called resurrection buns, where it's a piece of a round piece of bread dough that you roll out and you sprinkle a little sugar and cinnamon on it and you stick a marshmallow in the middle. You wrap the dough over on top of the marshmallow to make kind of like a pocket and you put it in the oven the night before. And when you wake up the next day, you know, the marshmallow, the science of it is that the marshmallow melt and creates this air hole, a large air hole in the bun. So when you bite into it, the bun is empty. There's nothing there. The marshmallow is gone. So it's to sort of depict the, the resurrection of Christ. So we've done that before. We've also done the Names of Jesus um, countdown paper chain, and I can put a link for that in the show notes. It's done by our friend Kim on her website, Not Consumed. But it's just little strips that you can um, cut out, print and cut out, and make like a paper chain with all the different names of Jesus. And leading up to Easter, just as you would count down to Advent, leading up to Easter, you sort of, you know... Break one of the chains, or you can even put the chain on however you want to do it to sort of count down the days to the Easter season. One thing that we have done without fail for all of my years of mothering, I think when my daughter was like one, I put together a set of resurrection eggs. And since that time, they, you know, the idea of a resurrection egg set has become popular and you can buy them online now. But I just, simply made mine. I gathered some trinkets from around the house that represented different parts of the story. I printed out the scripture verses that sort of aligned with those particular parts and tucked them into eggs. I wrote a number on the outside of each of the eggs, one through 12. And so at our resurrection brunch, one of the things that we always do is I pass a basket of eggs around. Everybody takes one or two and we go in order. If you have number one, you get to open it up, show the little trinket that's inside and read the scripture. And it's been just a great way to sort of teach my kids the individual parts of the story and just having that trinket and just the, the annual tradition, the repetition has solidified so much of the resurrection story in our minds. And, and now that my kids are older, it's just a loved treasure tradition. They don't necessarily need the trinkets to remind them of the parts, but it's a treasure tradition. My mother-in-law did something similar, um, when her boys were young, I think when her boys were young, she still had it and was doing it, you know, when I met my husband, it was a basket similar to resurrection eggs. She had just put all the trinkets that she had collected in a basket and would pass the basket around and little ones could take, you know, a little lamb out and, and, you know, what does the lamb represent? Or, um, there was a, I remember there was a wooden cross and I think there was a, a fern branch, different things that she could then use as a, illustration for retelling the story.
1: You know, Jamie, we um, Dan and I still do the, our res- res- resurrection eggs mm-hmm. with our grandchildren. So even if someone doesn't have little children anymore, hang on to those sets if you have them. And if you don't, we can share our Amazon link with them to find them because after so many years, mine became worn and the pieces were lost that we, I had made my own. And So now for Christmas last year, I bought all of my adult children that resurrection egg set for Christmas as a gift for their families. And then Easter comes around and they have it. So it is really worth a small investment to get that set.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think the store-bought one comes with a little book that you can read along with. So if you don't feel comfortable retelling the story in your own words, you can just read right along with the book as the eggs are being opened.
2: I love that, Jamie. I want you to put the recipe for your marshmallow buns too, because that's a great idea. I haven't thought about that. I think it, even though it's not Thanksgiving, it's important for us as a family, we talk about what we're thankful for at Easter because there's, I mean, just Christ's death and resurrection is huge. So we we really try to make that an aspect of our conversation. And I like to put little scripture verses in some of the eggs, just pointing to his death and resurrection. It's not all about little trinkets, like you said, and candy. There There's a real thing here that we need to understand for our lives. So. Just do I mean simple things, but all of them, I think, add up.:
0: Yeah, and I think even more than that, even mm-hmm. even beyond our own children, obviously, you know they're, they're our first mission filled as mothers. but as we invite other friends and family, extended family, maybe your neighbors over during the Easter season, as most people do, what a wonderful opportunity to be able to share the hope that we have in Christ in a really natural way. I mean, they're there to celebrate this holiday quote unquote, and whether or not they understand the true gravity of the day, they may or may not. But it's just an opportunity that's basically like served up on a platter to us to be able to share this hope, especially in these childlike ways when we're opening up resurrection eggs or we're doing we're eating resurrection buns. It doesn't have to be such an intentional conversation. It can be just very light. It doesn't have to feel as intrusive to them or even um, it doesn't have to feel offensive because you're just sharing this natural tradition that you do with your family.
2: And I think it's a great way to plant some seeds. Absolutely. I have those friends or neighbors who who aren't Christians, they've not given their hearts to Christ. It is a way to just start, they start seeing there's something different about you. You know, and when something comes up in your life, they might remember that you know the Lord because people, you know, a lot of people don't know how to pray, but they'll pray when something Difficult happens in their lives. So to know that, hey, there's those around you that love you and that will help you get through this, you know, I love that. Yes,
0: Family traditions at holidays are just a real winsome way, I think, to share your faith with those around you. Well, what about some favorite Easter resources? We've shared a few, but are there any other books and maybe videos, even scripture verses that have helped you in your celebration personal celebration of easter or maybe for your kids and your grandkids
1: i love the series of books i think there are three now but the first easter by carol hayer and i think she has written three of those the first easter the easter story and the first palm sunday and i plan to use those with my grandchildren um, moving forward of course i really love the sense of the resurrection um, by amanda white and then we know a, f- a friend of all three of us, Asherita Chishu, um, has written a Lent devotional called Uncovering the Love of Jesus. And I used that last year and I really like that. We've had her on our podcast before. so. But I like to find playlists for Easter to change the music, change the worship focus. Um, Andrew Peterson, I think it's Andrew Peterson, has two Easter playlists that we've used called The Resurrection letters. There's a volume one and volume two. I really like that. I I try to find music that's focused on the worship of where our worship should be, I should say. I know Ruth Simons has an Easter playlist called This Is My Story. And so those are some of the things that I like to focus on, some of the resources that I have. And I know that Felicia Masonheimer has a really good Lent devotional and Easter ebook that I have in my home, in my library here, that I use for myself because a lot of times we have these conversations, even on our podcast, we talk about eggs or traditions and the whole concept of Easter becoming a pagan holiday is really something we should really, really, as moms, be equipped in knowing that it's not and why and its origins and what scripture has to say about it and what we're truly celebrating. So I like to have those resources on hand for my own reading. I'm taking notes, September, because so many of those
0: things, especially the books you mentioned at the beginning, I've never heard of before. So I'll be looking into some of those. How about you, Kate?
2: Well, uh, just to give a scripture verse, this is one of my favorite all-time life verses. It's Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And I've learned, at least for me, the, the main way to know the power of his resurrection is through suffering. You you really can't have one without the other. So. That's an impactful verse for this season, particularly. But um, we don't have a lot of books again, just because my my daughter takes care of that and um, she can read those to her. But we have a r- wide range of grandkids from twelve down to a year, so finding something they can all enjoy is a bit of a challenge. But there are some great movies out there. Since y'all have talked about books, I'll mention some movies that are great resources. There's there are two kid friendly Veggie Tales movies. That really tell the story there's one called an easter carol similar to a christmas carol but it discusses the true meaning behind easter teaching them you know it's more than just candy and egg hunts and through animation fun songs the kids can grasp it especially the little ones and they learn the story of jesus you know by these cartoon characters they most of them already know and love there's also one called twas the night before easter so those are both good especially if you've got more on the little side for older kids, I think the classic movie Ben-Hur is a great choice. That it was made it was remade in 2016 and it does have some violent scenes so you want that to be for your older kids. I think they'd love that. Then a couple classics, The Greatest Story Ever Told, The Life of Jesus, it goes through everything to the resurrection and another one is The Ten Commandments. I mean that's a classic and even young kids can watch that cuz there's not not a lot of blood and gore. So those are just great movies, I think, to get conversations going, you know, if nothing else, and to learn a little bit about history back in that time.
0: Yes, absolutely. I have a couple books for variety of ages. My favorite, absolute favorite, even, even as a grown adult, you know, I'm 43 and we have continued to read this book to our kids every year for the last 10, 15 years. And every year I'd still pull something out of it like, oh, I forgot about that. Or, oh, that's brand new information. And that's Journey to the Cross by Helen Heidel. It's got about 40 different readings. So you could actually do it as a, as a, you know, leading up to Easter sort of countdown to read one of those a day through, you know, the season of Lent. What I love about it is really highlight different pieces of the story, the Jewish cultural practices, the Levitical laws, the the roman cultural practices that sometimes get a little missed or lost and so some of the gravity of the story gets lost when you don't know those historical things so um it takes it in bite-sized chunks in a very kid-friendly way i highly recommend the book i think it's out of print so it is a hard one to track down but you can find a used copy online and it's it's well worth the money um, the other ones we've enjoyed over the years are The Three Trees by Angela Elwell Hunt. That's a great one for both Christmas and Easter. And then there's a new one out called The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross by Carl Lafferton. To be honest, it's not my favorite illustrations, but I think it really does give a full circle picture of how Christ was the fulfillment of the law and how he restored the brokenness that happened in the garden. A couple of years ago, um, during the pandemic, We were able to watch the sight and sound theater production of Jesus, and they continue to put that out each Easter. And so, if you have access to that, if you um, go online, maybe do a little Google search to Google "sight and sounds Jesus production." It is fantastic. It's so family friendly, and it really does go through the life touch points—you know, all the touch points in Christ's life that are significant, leading all the way up to the cross. And I'll just mention one more. Um, I don't know if these are still available anymore. I got one, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. It's called Pieces of the Promise. Uh, Pieces of the Promise is an organization that makes puzzles that are biblically based. And the puzzles actually tell, are used sort of in a devotional way. So every single piece that you put together in this larger puzzle kind of tells a small bit of the story and you use it like a devotional every day you put maybe one or two pieces together and you read this little reading but they have one specifically for the easter season so it's just a way to mix it up especially if you have a kid that doesn't really like to be read to it's a way to slip in the story while also doing this hands-on activity isaiah 53 5 says but he was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds, we are healed. In all my days, I'll never be able to comprehend such great love, but I've learned to be grateful for it. I've learned to stand in humble awe, and I want that for my kids too. Thanks, Kate, in September for giving us a peek into your celebrations. Like I said, I was taking copious notes and I will be looking into some of these resources that you shared. And thank you, Mama, for listening. We'd love to know how you mark the sacredness of Easter in the ordinary moments of your days. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and tell us all about it.